Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the NFNL podcast. I'm Samuel Zito, joined by Jared Gardner as per usual. Episode 23 we're up to and we are certainly getting towards the final stages of the 2019 Northern Football Netball League season. Jared, welcome back. Another great weekend of action that's just gone by. A huge one that's Coming up this weekend, we've seen the completion of our netball competitions now with um, the final section one to four grand finals being held last Friday. We've seen the Heidelberg Golf Club Division Three campaign come to an end with Panton Hill claiming the premiership. And now there's only three match days left this weekend, two days of action on Saturday, the A-plus Labor Solutions Division Two grand finals on Sunday, the Meadows Greyhounds Division One prelims. And then, of course, a week away from that, the, the final day of the season. But it's coming to a, a quick end, but uh, it's been an exciting time and certainly the weekend that just gone we saw some outstanding action with some great storylines coming out yeah well once again thanks for having me on the podcast it's uh it was a great weekend of action obviously the first senior men's uh grand final decided and Panton Hill ran away with the victory there as we expected and uh, a dominant performance capped off a great season for the Redbacks so it's um good to see them get back going back up into division two next year uh, some big matches this weekend. Also, on the netball side of things, it's a, it's a great win for Diamond Creek in Divi 1, their 10th straight uh, Division 1 Premiership. So, a massive achievement. And, um, it, it's yeah, it's it's a great couple of weeks coming up and I'm excited to see some more Premiers be crowned. Yeah, it's it's amazing with Diamond Creek. You just think, when will the, the juggernaut end? It doesn't look like the, there's one in sight. They were outstanding in their grand final win over Ivanhoe. So, as you say, 10 Premierships in a row, an outstanding achievement. Uh, there was also premierships uh, crowned in Section 2. It was St Mary's with uh, an upset win of, of some description. They were fifth um, with uh, three rounds to go in the season, won their final three home and away games, and then their three finals. So six games on the trot, they upset Craigieburn uh, by 13 goals to, to win the Section 2 premiership. In Section 3, Ivanhoe, uh, they were the, the lower-ranked side that coming in. They were finished the season in third, won three successive finals as well, uh, defeated Watsonia uh, 30 goals to 20. 24, and in section four, it was St Mary's who cra- uh, capped a, another a great night for the club. Two premierships on the night, uh, they defeated uh, North Heidelberg, uh, 33 to 22. So it was uh, a great day for night for St Mary's. Two premierships, but also for for Diamond Creek, 10 in a row, as we said, and, and for Ivanhoe, well, they take a premiership in, in section three and also competed in the grand final in section one. So uh, the netball season comes to an end after another outstanding campaign. You, you talked about on Saturday. We saw Panton Hill crowned premiers, their second premiership in the Northern Football Netball League. I think it's fourth overall for the, for the club, uh, having previously played in some other competitions as well. Deserving winners, but South Morang made them certainly fight to the very end. There was another great storyline that came out of the day as well, and that was Heidelberg West winning the reserves premiership. And it's not often that we talk about uh, Division Three reserves football, but for that club there, uh, first premiership of any descript on the football field since 1966 when their under-19s won a premiership. So it's been a, a very, very long time between drink, drinks there, but a 53-year drought ends for Heidelberg West on, on a football front, and uh, they, of course, uh, won the premiership downing Old Altham Collegian, so it's great to see them on, on grand final day in their first season in the comp, but a, a memorable day for, for Heidelberg West as well. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a great um, feat to win. Uh, the first premiership in 53 years on the football field and uh, hopefully it's only a matter of time until their seniors can get the same uh, the same job done in, in the um, Division 3 competition because they've been up and about the last few years and 
hopefully they're contending uh, for years to come. Yeah, it's certainly going to be the, the next big challenge, isn't it? Reaching finals uh, in, in the senior competition. We thought they might be able to make it this year. Started well, but uh, but faded thereafter. Uh, but certainly there's uh, some things to look forward to there for, for Heidelberg West. And again, we'll touch on uh, all of those uh, a bit later on when we uh, wrap up the Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 season. As we do, Jared, we uh, begin at the top in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1. And an enthralling weekend of action. I guess not not close games, but gee, it draws some, some storylines to, to come out of it, doesn't it? And Greensboro, the first side now through to the Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 Grand Final. They were absolutely dominant in thrashing North Heidelberg at the weekend, Saturday's second semi-final. I think going in, Greensboro, without a doubt, the, the, the hot favourites, but North Heidelberg had, had really taken it to them the last time they played, lost that one by two goals late in the home and away campaign, but the Borough romped to victory, winning 22-16, to 7 goals, 8-50. 98-point winners did lead by over 100 points during the final term. North kicked a couple of late ones to reduce the final margin back to, to two digits rather than three, but look at Greensboro's spread of goal kickers. You look at their best players there, they're all in great form, and you look at when you see Jack Johnston, Tom Bell, Charlie Molyneux, Chris Clark, all in the best, and and then you see McCubbin, Panham, Molyneux all kicking four goals. You, you can imagine it's going to be a pretty dominant day for Greensboro, and I think now, regardless of, of who they play in the grand final, they're going to go in as, as the outright favourite. Yeah, definitely, it's a it's a great win for Greensboro, and very deserving of getting that first grand grand final spot in Meadows Greyhounds Division One. It's uh, been a great year for them. Only lost the one game, and it was a very close one against Hurstbridge or Heidelberg, sorry. Uh, so it's been a great year and a very deserving spot. I think you look at those best players, as you said. Jack Johnston's one um, had a really good year, especially against North Heidelberg. I think the first game I saw, um, which was at North Heidelberg, he was far and away the best player. Just seems like the the Bulldogs just didn't have an answer for him once again. Yeah, in in dominant touch, he's been. We I guess we talk about them potentially. Well, they will be the favourite regardless of who they play. We know that this weekend the prelim to be played between North Heidelberg and West Preston Lakeside. But if they come up against North, I mean, it's going to be difficult for for North to reverse such a such a deficit. But we've seen in the past that sides that have had heavy losses in the second semi final have been able to bounce back and, and to an extent sides that have won by big margins in the second semi final haven't gone on to win the premiership. So Greensboro now they're looking to become the first side to finish first and win the premiership since two thousand and sixteen when Heidelberg did it. The Tigers that year did lose the second semi and came through the prelim. So Greensboro now looking to become the first side since Bandura in 2011 to win the second semi-final and then go on and win the premiership. And you look at some of the winning margins in those uh, second semis. Bandura that year beat Heidelberg by 73 points, then beat the Tigers in the grand final by only 10. Um, You go back and and you even have a look uh, back into... Uh, the season, I think it was uh, 2015 it was, when, when Greensboro beat McLeod by 46 points in the second semi and led by about 12 goals in the last quarter. Those two sides met again two weeks later and, and McLeod won up by 21 points. Of course, we know that McLeod beat Heidelberg in the 26th second semi-final. It was a close game, but uh, just one, but then lost it two weeks later. And then, of course, in 2017, so two years ago, McLeod 106-point winners over Northcote Park. They met Bandura in that grand final, lost by three points. But on Northcote Park's sake, they, they lost by 106 points in the second semi, 
led late in the prelim, Bundura kicked two late goals to win by 10 points. So it's, I don't think for mine, I know North had a bad loss. I don't think that you'd write their season off, but the worry is going to be that the injury concerns they have through. We know that um, there's been um, queries over both Brenton and uh, and Shane Harvey with uh, with injury concerns. They uh, they obviously struggled late in the game against Heidelberg the week prior where they won by uh, three points in the end, having led by 59 in the, in the third quarter. So the, the worrying sign for them is the fact that They've lost that last quarter against Heidelberg by eight goals to zip and then been belted by 98 points on the weekend. So the last five quarters of footy, they're down about 150 points. So they're going to have to reverse something against a West Preston Lakeside team, which could hardly have been more impressive on Sunday. Yeah, it, it's going to be a tough matchup this weekend. It's um, Obviously, as you said, West Preston, they've been in such great form over the last bit of the season and, and coming into finals with a lot of confidence. And uh, just being in the rooms after the match on, on Sunday, it was just, there's just an aura of, of, of 20, um, 2018. It just kind of feels like the same as what it did last year. They, they're going in very confident. They know they can beat anyone they come up against. And uh, it's going to be a very tough task for, for North Heidelberg, even though they will go in as the higher-ranked side. Um, there's, there's no guarantees this weekend. Yeah, well, the two sides have played twice throughout the course of this year. They've split the points. Both games have been pretty one-sided, it has to, to be said. They met for the first time this year. It was all the way back in round three, and North Heidelberg uh, romped to victory that day at, at Shelley Reserve, winning uh, 17-12, 114 to 8-7.55. Amazing that day that... For West Preston, they only kicked eight goals, yet Ahmed Saad kicked seven of them. So uh, he's in goal-kicking touch with Shane Harvey with five that day and Shane Biggs and uh, and also Jai Badley-Kelly kicking three, as did Kyle Green. So they romped to victory, particularly in the second half, 11 goals to five after the main break. But then when they played... Uh, more recently, that was in round 14. It was a similar winning margin, but it was West Preston Lakeside's way. 60-point winners um, trailed early. I think they conceded the first three goals, actually, that day, if, if memory serves me correct, but then went on to, to win 19 goals, 9 to 9 goals, 9. Ahmed Saad kicked 9. So he's kicked 16 in the two games between the sides this year. And you think, you look at his form at the weekend, he kicked six in the elimination final against Mont, four in the weekend, but it was just the way he kicked some of the goals that was uh, pretty incredible. So he's, in any game that West Preston Lakeside plays, he's going to be a, a key player that, to, to talk about. But um, West Preston would be pretty confident given the fact that they've won the last game between the sides comprehensively. They're in good touch. They've only lost twice since round six. And we know that they're, they're a side that adapts well to Preston City over where they just look look like they're playing at home, basically. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just on Ahmed's side, it's it's gonna it's such a tough matchup. But if I'm correct, it was Ryan McGee who took him and held him goalless in the, was it the semi-final yeah, last in their qualifying. year? Qualifying final last year. And that was where where McGee made his name. And um, it's uh, he was best on ground for North Heidelberg on the weekend. Obviously a tough loss, but... He's in a bit of in a bit of good form, and I assume that'll be the matchup straight away on on Sunday afternoon. And it'll be interesting to see if if he can uh, replicate his performance from last year. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting on North because you look at the way they play the first three quarters against Heidelberg, and that's only yeah. a week ago. So it, it's easy to just forget. I know that the last five quarters have been really average, uh, and and they're a proud side. They're going to look at the bounce back. They won't take kindly to to the way they lost at the weekend. But um, it's it's an, it's easy to get sucked into to their poor form. But it's hard not to be seduced by the way West Preston Lakeside's been playing at the weekend that that back line held up superbly I thought Joel McDonald was outstanding all day and yeah. he just links up so well and or just reads the play well with uh, players like Jackson Clark and uh, also Nathan Valadaris I thought uh, obviously there was plenty of drive being offered by Garrett McDonough Nick Reportler obviously has come into the side this year uh, he's played I think seven games in a row now and 
probably played his best one at the weekend. He was great in that final. And then you look, the midfield, we know how talented it is through there. I think getting players um, into form late in the year was important. Getting players also back into the side. Um, even someone like a Michael Urcolano now had a, probably a month of footy before the finals and, and he was pretty good at the weekend as well. And we know what Alex Federico can do, but then you look at Saad and, and Aidan Tilly, but also their small, their fleet-footed players, Daniel Valeri and Matt Vincitorio were pretty lively at the weekend and Vincitorio was best on ground when these two sides met last year in the prelim, so they're meeting for the second successive year. So West Preston Lakes are certainly bringing the better form in, but we know what North Heidelberg is, is capable of when, when their best players are fit and firing. Yeah, exactly, and and both sides play a very fast-paced style, and it's going to be. Um, hopefully, we get better weather this weekend compared Forecast to what we did looks on better. Sunday. Yeah. That's uh, anything to go by. Yeah. So even even in the wet last week at West Preston, they were looking to play fast, looking to get that ball over the back and letting Saad run onto it. And he did such a good job of that. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how how both sides kind of defend each other because um, they, they're going to look to score quickly and score heavily, and it's just going to be. Um, which side can can hold up for better for longer? Yeah, well, it's 21 and sunny is the forecast for Sunday, and I believe it might be late showers that uh, that they're expecting, but uh, shouldn't affect the footy. Well, let's hope so. Anyway, yeah. Saturday 17 and sunny as well, so hopefully uh, played in better conditions than what we saw at the weekend. But uh, we know Greensboro's through. We'll obviously have a, a really good look at them next week as well. But uh, who is the side that you anticipate that they'll be playing in the grand final? Um, I think I've been sucked into North Heidelberg's poor form and I'm going to say West Preston because in the game that we saw on, on Sunday, I think they were just too good and obviously um, held Montmorency to, to one goal in the in the first final. So I can't go past West Preston at the moment. I think there's a lot of belief um, around the club and they, they want to go back to back and um, there's no reason why they can't be North Heidelberg this week. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're, they're going to be the favourite. I, I find it hard to go past them as well. I think regardless of, of who gets through, it's going to be an interesting storyline story line come grand final day. A lot of the focus will be, uh, say, Greensboro, we, we already know through and whether they can reverse this recent trend of sides that haven't been able to win off, off the week's break. But then if North make it, you know, reaching a grand final in their second season after returning from uh, second division and then for West Preston Lakeside, if they do get there, uh, a reigning premier looking to defend a title for the first time since all the way back in 2009 when Heidelberg won the fourth of, of their four-peats. So it's a long time between drinks. So history in a way is going to be written, isn't it, when uh, when you look at uh, whichever of the three uh, remaining sides go on to, to win the premiership. So it's an interesting uh, final two re- weeks of the season coming up and we're certainly looking forward to, to seeing how that all Unfolds. We're going to now quickly go to a, a short chat with uh, Jaeger Pascu from Watermark, who's going to uh, give us an insight into what's going on ahead of the 2019 Watermark uh, final series concluding and what's going on around Watermark. And then we'll come back and have a look at the upcoming game, the grand final, of course, in A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2, where it's going to be Banyul coming up against Whittlesey. You are listening to the NFNL podcast. Now joining us on the NFNL podcast is the membership manager from Watermark, Jager Pascu. Of course, Watermark, a proud partner of the Northern Football Netball League final series. Of course, the 2019 Watermark NFNL final series, which is taking place right now as we speak, getting towards the pointy end of the campaign. Jager, thank you for joining us. Obviously, it's an exciting time of the year for us on a football front, but there's certainly plenty of benefits for those within the Northern Football Netball League that they can access at Watermark. 
Yeah, exactly right, Sammy. Look, first, thanks thanks for having me uh, on, on the call today. Um, yeah, we've got, uh, obviously, some partner rates that are, that are available to um, NFNL members um, and, and club sponsors and committees and volunteers. Um, so, yeah, excited to, to provide the opportunity um, to discuss those those features and benefits that we've got got down here at Watermark. And uh, what are some of those uh, those membership rates and, uh, and, and whatnot that people that uh, play and participate within the Northern Football Netball League can access when they, when they head down to Watermark? Yeah, sure. So um, obviously we're, we're a community facility, so welcome um, you know, anybody in, in, in the area able to come down and use our facilities um, on a casual or, or a membership basis. But um, yeah, we've got uh, special partner rates available for um, for players and, and club committee members, volunteers, coaches and umpires as well. Um, we also have a spring into summer style actually starting um, in a week's time and ending on October 31st. Um, so we have no lock-in contracts and no joining and admin fee um, available. So um, the sort of facilities that we have on offer is um, with thousand square meters of gym floor space um, that's available to full access members um, we can tailorize um, so tailored approach for uh, injury recovery athlete performance uh, general health and fitness or just uh, stress relief as well um, along with providing uh, nutrition advice so uh, 120 group fitness classes per week uh, coaching zone on offer which is group uh, group functional style training um, and some brand new cardio equipment on offer as well. Certainly some, some great uh, offers there available and obviously plenty uh, that could uh, be, be useful for those within the Northern Football Netball League but also those who aren't playing at the moment but uh, re- preparing themselves for, for a big summer as well. It's, it's great opportunities to uh, to get back in shape ahead of the, the summer months. I also believe there's a, an open day coming up for, for you guys there, there at Watermark. Yeah, exactly right. One of our biggest days of the year, and um, great. This is a great day for um, the family to come down and and people who haven't even uh, seen our facility before. Um, but yeah, we're running that on the, the 26th of September from 12 p.m. till uh, 7 p.m. Uh, that falls on a Thursday, and it is on and is during the school holidays. Uh, we've got water slides on offer, reptile show, uh, family group fitness, jumping castle, and um, some local businesses coming down on the day. So a bit of a fun, a bit of a fun theme. We've got uh, rumble in the jungle theme going on for the day, um, and obviously the proceeds on the day go to Belgravia Foundation um, which is which goes for which a couple of great causes as well um, as well as some exclusive membership offers um, on the day. Obviously there's, there's so many great fa- facilities at, at, within Watermark that, that clubs can, can utilise within the, the Northern Football Netball League as well. We say it's a pointy time of the year but also uh, I guess we already move straight into to pre-season and whatnot and there's, there's plenty of features there that, that clubs can utilise as they prepare for the 2020 campaign. Yeah, exactly right. We've had um, a lot of football clubs down recently doing some uh, rehabilitation exercises as they um, sort of end their season or move into the move into the finals and to get out of the rain a little bit. Uh, but yeah, sort of starting to think towards um, what players are doing for, for next season and and, and uh, leading their pre-season up uh, for next for next year's um, season. So um, yeah, obviously we've got the facilities down here to be able to to cater towards um, some athlete performance and and obviously take your take your games to sort of the next level as well. And uh, Jacob. There's also some offers available with Swim School as well. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so we're very fortunate that we um, actually obtained the Swim School of the Year Award. Um, so our staff, we're very proud of our staff for um, able to achieve that award and certainly a team um, a team achievement there. Uh, we have classes available from uh, six months old all the way through to adults and we operate over 500 classes per week in our Go Swim program. Uh, so it's certainly one of the largest uh, Go Swim programs uh, on offer in, in the area. 
Um, we also got the convenience of our Splash app, uh, which provides easy communication and, and the ability for parents to keep up to date um, with their child's progression as they go through the Go Swim journey. Um, and then towards the end of the Go Swim journey, we've actually got a Junior Dolphin Squad program, um, which is for students looking to compete in a bit more competitive space or recreational uh, lap swimming space as well. Um, and then for those that are a little bit older, we've got our Active Swim Squad, which is a new offering. Um, those that are looking to keep fit and swim uh, in a social setting as well. So no matter what your swimming ability is, uh, we've got a program on offer down here at our Go Swim program. Of course, Watermark based at 1 Flintoff Street, Greensboro, just down from the plaza. What are ways that, uh, that people can get in touch with, with Watermark uh, in order to, to access these offers? Yeah, absolutely. So they can call us on 9422 uh, and that'll take us uh, straight to our, our lovely reception staff. And then obviously, um, it looks, depends on what you're looking for there. Um, otherwise, you can Google Watermark Banyul um, or find us on our Facebook or Instagram at Watermark Banyul as well. I believe you also have a, a strong presence on uh, on our Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 Grand Final Day where, where people can get in touch as well and, and find out more about what you've uh, what you've provided so far today. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have some representatives down there on the day and um, feel free to come and say hi and, and we can obviously discuss uh, more about what's on offer and uh, obviously we invite uh, anybody in the community to come down and, and we're happy to show our facilities um, that we've got on offer as, along with our swim school offerings as well. Well, Jake, I really appreciate your time in joining us and, and providing the offers that are available for those within the Northern Football Netball League. Obviously, Watermark, a fantastic partner of the Northern Football Netball League for, for quite some time now and obviously really heavily invested also with our uh, representative program Programs as well. I know our, our senior uh, representative men's football team used the facilities ahead of uh, their game uh, earlier this year where they took the number one uh, ranking uh, in AFL Victoria's community championships and, and everyone was really impressed with the facilities there. So uh, thank you for your time and for your support of the Northern Football Netball League and, and hopefully get uh, as many people within the NFNL down to Watermark uh, for the upcoming uh, spring and summer offers. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for sticking with us on the NFNL podcast. We now turn our attention to A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2 where it is grand final week and the final match of the season will be played between Banyul and Whittlesey where the winner will not only claim the Premiership Cup but earn promotion into Meadows Greyhounds Division 1. They are the top two sides on the home and away ladder. Both finished the season 13 wins and 3 losses. Only percentage separated them. Banyul uh, finished top and then progressed straight through to the grand final, courtesy of a close second semi-final win against the Eagles, winning 11 goals, 9.75 to 10 goals, 8.68 at Epping Rec Reserve two weeks ago. Whittlesey was able to bounce back at the weekend. They claimed the preliminary final. Uh, they downed Altham by 28 points, a runaway win in the end, 13 goals, 6.84 to 8 goals, 8.56. Jared, it's been a close competition between the top four all year. We've said how much we've enjoyed the fact that when the top four sides have played one another, the, the final margins have, have generally been very close. But I think for mine, there's no doubting that these have been the, the two best-performed sides throughout the year. Their win-loss record indicates that, but I think you, you look at their consistency over the course of the season as well, and you couldn't say that there's two more deserving sides playing off in the grand final. And now to try and pick a winner is going to be near on impossible, particularly when you look at their most recent two games against one another, which have been decided by six and seven points and, and they've split the wins one apiece. Yeah, exactly. These have been the two best sides in 2019 and, and very deserving grand finalists, as we've said. Uh, it'd be good to, it would have been good to see Altham back on the big stage looking for redemption after last year, but uh, just Whittlesey and Banyul have just been uh, far and away the best this year and, and very deserving of these grand final spots. So can't wait for this matchup on Saturday and 
um, it's it's near near impossible to pick. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a chat with uh, both the coaches shortly, Paul Harris from Banyul and, and also Blair Harvey from Whittlesea. Um, for, for Banyul, it's been a meteoric rise through the, the Northern Football Netball. They came across from the, the VAFA um, going back five years now. Their first two years, they did struggle in third division. There's, there's no doubt about that. It, uh, it was a new challenge for them and um, you know both years missed out in finals then went on to have a dominant year in 2017, win the Premiership, and just have carried that momentum, have recruited well, have been able to bring some, some former players back into the club, reached the prelim in their first year back in second division last year, and, and were in good form. I think most thought they'd go on and win that prelim. A few key injuries late in the year didn't help their cause. And now to, to back that up again this year in Paul Harris's first year as coach, it's a, it's a mighty effort. Um, I think in most other years you'd say they'd be the, the hot favourite going into the grand final, but this year, just given Whittlesey's rise throughout the back half of the year, I think the Eagles at about round eight were, were in the four, but they were, just weren't playing great footy, or not the footy that uh, we may have expected pre-season. Yeah. There were reasons behind it. Blair Harvey had said from the start of the year he was going to play a young side. They haven't recruited heavily at all. They've, they've relied on uh, all the recruits they've brought in. They're all pretty young players, but it just took some time to, for them to, I guess, adapt to, to playing senior footy and perhaps to a new game style, but it was that loss against uh, against Banyul back in round eight. Final margin was 44 points, but they were down 11 goals to one at half time. And really, since half time of that game, they've been, you could argue, the best side in the competition. They've only lost one game, which was that second semi final, which we just mentioned. Lost it by a kick and, and led in the last quarter. Um, maybe some other things go their way and they go on to win that game. So I think you get to grand final day, and there's two sides who genuinely believe that they're deserving of, of winning it. They'll be confident of winning it and, and really think that they can then hold their own in, in the top flight should they go up. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, Whittlesey is an interesting one because obviously they, they don't recruit as heavy as some of the other sides and um, they haven't gone out and got those ex-AFL players and they've stuck with the, the group that they know works. They recruit some young guys and, and it's all come together at the right time for the Eagles. So it's good to see uh, them back on the big stage looking. Is it their third? They're going for their third successive be, premiership be, in Division 2? It'll actually be their fourth. So they've, yeah. In 2010, they won the premiership in, in Division 2, spent uh, two years in the top flight, returned in 2013, won the premiership in their first year back, um, bandied around a bit then because then they only went up for a year, yeah. relegated, came back in 2015, finished third on the ladder, but then won three consecutive finals, which included that gripping, uh, I think it was a final margin was two points when yeah. they, they de- defeated Layla in the grand final in 2015, and then had some good years in, in, the, in the top flight, um, had three years there, which was their, their longest spell, and, and this year coming back at... I know, uh, and we'll talk to, to Blair Harvey about it uh, in a few moments' time. I don't think the, the original goal was just to say we're going to just have a crack to get straight back up. It was to, to develop players who would be there long-term. And, and if you look at their list profile, if they do go up, you'd imagine that everyone that's there now is going to be part yeah. of that side next year. It's a, it's a, a quite a, a youthful list, and uh, they'd be pretty confident that they've built a, a, a strong foundation to, to be able to, to retain their place in the top flight. But Banyuls obviously in a, in a pretty similar position as well. Their, their age profile is that, that little bit older. They've obviously recruited well, but a, a lot of their recruiting also has relied on getting former players back to the club. You took a look at a, a Brent Stanton, for example, yeah. and I know he returned last year, but um, you know, a player who played all his juniors with the club obviously went and played AFL this year, only played eight home and away games, but was you know, dominant in, in those games there. And uh, he, I mean, as you would expect from a player coming back from the highest level of football, but uh, he's he's a massive uh, addition to their side come finals. Ricky Dyson's a chance to, to play this week. Didn't play in the first final, but uh, he's a chance to feature. Selection's going to be a real headache for them because 
I guess the the beauty of it is you, you pick your best side and and you've got you know your, your full list available, which is great. But there's going to be some some hard luck stories along the way as well. But uh, I think a key player for mine. Um, you look at. I mean, we're always going to be drawn to players like Stanton and James Cruzeratus, who's now in back in in good form after some injury issues throughout the year. You look at some of their other additions uh, throughout the course of the season. Mitch Lovell. Uh, Reuben Blackmore, Moore, Tim Martin. We're all looking forward to seeing how they go on the big stage. But but Jack Langford's one of the ones for me. First off, just trying to figure out where he'll play on the ground. Big player. Um, obviously, he's played plenty of footy on Preston in his time at McLeod. Does he play forward? Does he play back? Do they push him higher up the ground and, and use his to, uh, his height, but also his mobility to, to get that ball deep inside 50 if he's pushing up from a, from a wing as well? So he can play just about anywhere. I think he's, he's one of the most vital players on the ground um, when it's... I guess when you overlook, say, like a Brent Stanton, who'd be probably one of the, the shorter price favourites for us, our best on ground medal if he, if he does have a day out. Yeah, definitely. Jack Langford's a, a really interesting one, as you said. I think um, my my best guess is, is he's going to do something like what Northcote Park did with Ash Close. I think it was three or three years ago in, in a prelim final against Bandura. They, um, when they were kicking with the wind, um, going to that city end at Preston City Oval, we'll throw him forward and get that ball into him. When they're kicking into into the wind, throw him back as an intercept marking option and can reload from the back line. So um, he's one of those players. I think we've said it about guys like Paul Durago and um, a lot of guys around the league. You want two of him to, to play at either end of the ground, but uh, it's going to be he's such a great asset for this Banyul side and um, another asset compared to what what else they've got in the side. So. Uh, going to be interesting to see what he does on the weekend. Yeah, the midfield battle is going to be absolutely huge. You look at uh, uh, Whittlesey's, uh, I guess, forward mix and, and, and list of, of goal kickers, and, and they spread the load pretty well. I mean, Jaron Murphy leads their goal kicking with 24. He kicked four on the weekend, but he's a player that can play you know, across half-back, through the wing, silky skills. He's been in, in great form really over the, the, the entire final series, but th- throughout the whole year. I think it's 10 goals in his last uh, three three games as well, but has spent time further up the ground as well throughout the course of the year. But then you, you look behind him, you've got Nick Papillo's kicked 20 goals, uh, albeit in 12 games. Sam Indian, 19 goals in 11 games. Clancy Bland kicked 18. So they don't have that, that player that's... Averaging a big bag of goals, it's a bit different when when you look at the Banyol picture and obviously Chris Rattus's goal tally this year is lower than in recent years because he's been out of the side uh, for, for much of the campaign. He's he's been limited and and throughout the course of the year only played nine games but still kicked 21 goals. But then you've got Manon Johnson and Mitch Lovell who are kicking it better than two goals a game. We know that Michael Italia can kick goals and has done it on grand final day as well. I think he kicked four in the Division Three grand final win a couple of years ago. Langford, if he plays forward, is, is capable of kicking a cup, uh, you know, more than more than one or two, and and Gumbleton the same, depending on where he plays on the ground. So you feel that Banyol might feel that they've got the, the capability of kicking um, bigger halls of goals from from their forwards if they can give them, give them more opportunities. But Whittlesey's spread is is one of its its real assets for mine, and uh, you just don't know as a defensive group who you have to lock down hardest on because they've got a, a real spread of goal kickers. So that makes the, the midfield battle massive for mine, and in turn it makes the ruck battle a big one because Tim Martin's been outstanding, and and uh, he couldn't have, have done any more. I don't think in his first season with the club, he's obviously come with great raps. Uh, I think a two-time competition best and fairest winner out at Bendigo Way, and um, been outstanding this year. And, and Nathan Stefanol, he does get the, the first crack at him in the ruck. It's it's a big job for him to, to quell the influence of a player that, that Banyol might see as, as one of their key playmakers on the day if he can get a dominance in the air. Yeah, exactly. I think that that midfield battle is exactly where this game is going to be won because. Uh, both sides, they're, they're so unpredictable in that forward line. Banyol probably a bit more. They've got um, some higher goal kickers, but it's just there's so many options for both sides and uh, so many avenues to goal. And 
yeah, I think that, that midfield battle is, is just going to be so enticing on Saturday and um, it's really going to be a, a great a great matchup. Before we get to the coaches, just look back over the season for Eltham, which ended at, at the weekend. It was probably premature ex that they might feel, given the fact that last year were the dominant side going into the grand final. Didn't have a, a great day, unfortunately, there and were beaten right in the final siren, but um, it, it just doesn't happen the next year, does it? And, and this year, they had real injury issues throughout the course of the year. Couldn't get their best side in the park, but then uh, when you look at their form against both Banyul and Whittlesey, the top two sides throughout the year, it's one win um, from f- um, five games, and so one win, four losses. The one win was against Whittlesey early in the year where they trailed for three quarters and ran over the top late. So they did have their issues against the top two sides, and I think a, a third-place finish is, is befitting of, of where they probably stood in the rankings this year. So they were unlucky to be relegated a couple of years ago, but now after you know two you know, pretty good campaigns in second division that haven't still yielded that, that premiership cup. They'll have to spend a, a third year in, in second division. So um, I think ultimately not a not a failure of a year, but it, it ends in disappointment for the Panthers. Yeah, it's just it's just unfortunate that um, the sides like a side like Banyul has just improved so much. They obviously made the prelim and um, were unfortunate to miss out on a grand final last year, but. Uh, to get into to, to get into a grand final and looking like probably the favourite going in, it's um it's it's great for that club and just unfortunate for Altham that they just kind of haven't progressed in the same vein as as a team and as a team like Banyul and obviously having Whittlesey come down from the first division after spending a few years up there, um it's it just it's it's just been uh, probably just bad timing for Altham but. They're going to be up there again next year. Yeah, I think you're right in terms of timing. It's as strong as second division's probably ever been, so it, uh, it makes it a real challenge. And uh, obviously, Lowell Plenty coming back next year as well. We know that their, their strike rate in, in second division is pretty good as well. That uh, there's uh, there's no uh, easy wins to be had. Before we uh, finally get to the coaches, also the the squad for the team of the year announced on the NFNL website uh, earlier this week. Their final team to be announced on Friday ahead of the grand finals, and not surprising to see that uh, the the sides in the the top four and top five. Uh, you know, dominate the the number of uh, representatives in in that squad. But looking through and, and looking at just some of the names on the list, it's a it's a side that uh, when you when you finally get to the final 22 that's selected, that if you put them collectively in a Division One team, uh, I think they'd uh, they'd stack up pretty well with just some of the names that uh, you'd probably anticipate to be in that final side. Yeah, exactly. I'm just looking along this list now, and there's just so many. Uh, big names and great players who can who can really um, flourish up in Division One. So this side, yeah, this side would be uh, competitive up in the top flight. But there's some unfortunate players that have they've missed out on the 22, and or that will miss out on the 22 because all 40 players in the squad are just so deserving. Yeah. So well, congratulations to all those players who, who were picked in the squad. Uh, as we said, as expected, uh, Banyol, Whittlesey, Eltham, Thomastown having the most representatives there. But no surprise when your side's in the top four that uh, that you're going to have that. And again, those sides, uh, the way they're selected is by uh, every coach nominating uh, their their best 18 in in, in a starting position. Uh, also taken into consideration of the coaches' MVP votes and the uh, the umpire votes throughout the course of the year as well. And uh, and I guess that uh, that uh, that side that that's how it's all based it together. But as you say, everyone deserving of, of their final spot. But gee, if you put it together, it would be great to get it out in the park and see uh, just exactly where that side would would fit in. Uh, in the top flight, but then also against other local competitions uh, of the same uh, same division. So we're now going to head to the two coaches for this week's upcoming A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2 Grand Final. Of course, 
Paul Harris of Banyul and also Blair Harvey of Whittlesey for Paul uh, or for both really their, their first uh, season at the club to take their side to grand final a remarkable effort uh, uh, Paul Harris obviously has uh, coached uh, been an assistant coach at Bandura previously and knows what it takes to, to get the job done at Preston City Oval but so too does his uh, uh, counterpart in this uh, particular grand final Blair Harvey he's been to the big stage so often so I think both both coaches are going to be so important to their sides uh, this, this year going into this decider given that they know what it takes to get the job done at Preston City Oval. And our first uh, interview this uh, weekend ahead of the A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2 Grand Final is with the coach of the Banyol Football Club, Paul Harris. Paul, first of all, congratulations on reaching it to the, the final game of the season. Your opponent now confirmed you know you'll be playing Whittlesea, but how's the, the start of the week treated you ahead of the biggest game of the season? Oh, thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it well so far. Um, obviously, had the weekend off, and uh, we just had a training drill. On, uh, we just had training on Saturday morning, and then uh, yeah, get into uh, this week. And Saturday, yeah, couldn't come soon enough. Obviously, your opposition being Whittlesea, you've played them uh, twice in probably the past six weeks, and both games have been really hard fought and, and finished with close results. It's a win apiece in those two games. But what do you, I mean, how much can you glean out of the two previous encounters against them heading into to this week's grand final? Um, I think we got a fair bit out of the second semi. Um, I think we played them obviously back in June, I think the first time we played them. And, um, yeah, it felt a bit different the second time. We didn't get a lot out of our um, game that we played at our ground late in the year, but the second semi definitely got a fair bit out of that. Um, there's yeah, a few minor little changes that they, they've done since June, um, which, yeah, when looking back, um, we sort of noticed and yeah, had another look on the weekend and um, sort of confirmed that. But, yeah, they're playing some good footy, so... Should be a great contest. I think the neutrals are all hoping for a close one, given the fact the last two games have been decided by seven points and, and six points. But um, the second semi-final, you, you got the jump early. I think you kicked four of the first five, and they really fought back. And it was anyone's game right until the very end. It was it was two late goals that that got you across the line. You'd be expecting a, a really fierce battle, but um, obviously important for you guys, I guess, mentally to to take the take the win that day and, and just give you that little bit more confidence going into the big dance. Yeah, obviously it was great to win that day, but I don't think Whittlesey uh, would have lost any confidence playing against us from that game. As you said, it could have gone either way in that last quarter. Um, the game was pretty interesting, actually. The most Both sides probably looked more dangerous kicking into the breeze that day. Um, so, yeah, both sides sort of played an attacking brand of footy, I guess, and um, sort of rather than um, block the game up, look to score into the wind and it wreaked benefits for both sides on that day and we were you know, fortunate enough to kick a couple of late goals to get over the line but um, given that a you know, sort of 10 minute mark or 15 minute mark of the last quarter they hit the front, um, I don't think they would have uh, lost much confidence out of that. The the season thus far, your first year at the helm, it, it's been a, a great success t- to this point of the year. Obviously, you finished on top of the ladder, just percentage uh, above the Eagles, but um, you've been you know top of the table for for the best part of the entire home and away campaign. Um, now you've reached the, the biggest point of the season. Um, can you do you get a chance to reflect back on, on all the hard work that's gotten you to this point in time? And uh, and I guess does that uh, just add that, that little bit of extra motivation, knowing how hard you've had to work as a side that's only come up to this division two years ago. Yeah, obviously I jumped on board in November last year, but there was a fair bit of momentum and a lot of work had gone in in the background prior to that. Um, I think the uh, boys finished last year, even though on a loss being the prelim, but making the prelim in first year in second division sort of hit pre-season with a fair bit of confidence and excitement about 
looking forward to attempting to make the next step, um, which then obviously added a little bit of talent over the uh, over the summer as well to that existing group that we already had. Um, so there was you know, a fair bit of excitement, a fair bit of confidence heading into um, the coming year, which was which was great being a new guy at the club. Um, yeah, so that, that as far as that goes, um, yeah, we we're always excited and confident at the start of the year. But yeah, good to uh, be in the game that we're aiming to be at at the start of the year now. The I'd imagine for for any coach, one of the the hardest things of of being a coach is is getting to grand final week and then selecting the side. There's there's always going to be you know a couple of players who are desperately unlucky of of missing out on selection. F- for your side, you've gotten a few key players back into the lineup in in recent times. Obviously, um, James Chrysaratus has come back in at the right time, kicked four in the previous game. But uh, looking at, at your side going forward for this week, I'm sure you're not going to give away too many secrets. But um, I'd imagine there's going to be some, some headaches for you to to pick that side. Yeah, um, there's been a, there's a couple of unlucky guys uh, from the second semi, which we've sort of already had those conversations um, over the weekend. Because, yeah, that's, whoever was going to miss was going to be exceptionally unlucky because we had 22 contributors in the second semi final. Um, we've got a couple of bikes available back in for the grand final, which we'll be playing. Um, so, yeah, not probably the uh, worst conversations you can have as the uh, coach. It's the part, of the, uh, part of the gig that I don't enjoy, but. Um, you know, and with the guys we've got around the the guys that I have missed out, unfortunately, um, but they'll be there fully supporting the uh, players on Saturday. Which because the guys that are missing out are absolute rippers, and unfortunately, uh, that's that's football at this time of the year that every side seems to have their strongest list available come this time of year. So um, unfortunately, there's a couple that will miss out. I guess, as you say, there's probably a silver lining in that is that there's that those that are unlucky. That means that you've got a, a pretty extensive squad to pick from. You've been able to to really work through your lineup this year because of the the injuries and unavailabilities that you've you've had all the way through. So that must be a real silver lining. The fact that you've had a good look at, I guess, everyone through your list throughout the course of the year, and and you probably, I guess, you're confident going in with with your absolute best 22 this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it has been good during the year that a number of uh, I think I've said in the past that all the young blokes that did a solid pre-season and um, showed good form during the season got an opportunity to play senior footy um, and play, get a couple of, at least a couple of games in a row and see where they're at at senior footy and get that taste. So um, whatever division we end up in next year, um, I think we're, it was a you know, great opportunity this year where blokes got some really good game time in the seniors that um, they should be looking to jump up and play more senior games next year. The matchup against Whittlesey, where do you see the game being won or, or lost? There's obviously been some really close battles in recent times, as we've alluded to, but where do you think the, the most important battles on the ground will be? Oh, I think like most finals, middle of the ground. Um, whoever wins it out of there, wins the contested footy and gives their forwards first opportunity on one-on-one contests, I think will go a long way to winning the game. So um, it's right on our blokes that are in the middle there to uh, get on top of their opponents and, uh, and take it from there. How's the how does the week ahead look for you? We're having a chat uh, this this Monday, but what does the week ahead look in? Uh, what's in store for for everyone at the Banyol Footy Club? Um, we'll train Wednesday night. We've been training Wednesday night probably for the last four or five weeks now. Um, so that's our main session, and then we will train back at the club on Thursday for a light session, um, dinner, and team selection like normal. So from there, and then 
and then Saturday, obviously. It's been interesting that uh, more often than not, that the side that's actually come through the prelim has gone on to win, which is, I'm sure, something you don't want to hear. But uh, how do you prepare, I guess, your side, knowing there's obviously the benefit of the week of is the fact that you've already qualified through to the grand final and you get a chance to, to just manage any sore bodies. But what do you do in that week off to ensure that you're absolutely cherry ripe at the first bounce and that you're not just sluggish in those, you know, maybe first five or so minutes? Well, hopefully the tissue doesn't determine this weekend's <laughs> results started. Um, we had a solid session on um, Saturday morning, um, mindful, obviously, whoever we're going to be playing was going to have a solid hit out. And, and yeah, you're right, the side that wins win the prelim generally go into the grand final with a bit of momentum, greater momentum than the side that had off. So um, it's really important that we start well, um, start well, get the momentum on our side and then uh, hopefully the benefit of a week off sort of kicks in later on in the game. You had, I mean, there's quite a few in the side that have, have played in the Premiership back in, in 2017. You've obviously got some experienced players that have come into the side and and uh, and players who've actually played on, on Preston City Oval itself, which, um, you know, obviously you yourself being with uh, with Bandura in recent times, but also yeah. folks like Ricky Dyson, um, even Jack Langford as well, who's played some big games on there as well. But do you think, I mean, it's it's in some ways it's a foreign ground. It wouldn't be one that uh, many of your players have, have played on, but is it that's something that uh, you have to, I guess, just provide an insight to to the, to the playing group, or does it not really affect you which which venue you play on? Yeah, I, I don't think it matters that much. The, the forecast at the moment looks like it's going to be a great day. So um, usually, when you get there this time of year, it blows a gale down towards the city end, and the um, most of the games spent inside the Ford Fifty at that end of the ground. But um, forecast at the moment looks like it's going to be um, going to set it up for a great game of footy where you can score at both ends. Um, yeah, it's. Good size ground, Preston. Um, I think it's probably similar, probably a little bit shorter than what we've been, what we played on up at Epping, which the um, ground up there is fantastic. So I don't think it matters that much. Um, ask me next Monday, and I might have a different opinion of that. Uh, <laughs> but at, at the moment, yeah, I don't think it should. I don't think it should matter. You mentioned before reached the prelim last year, but to have been able to now take that next step and, and reach what will be the, the club's biggest game since joining the Northern Footy Netball League about four or five years ago, what's it like to, to be at the helm and, and have taken him there in, in the first year in the job? Yeah, great great to really just enjoy it with everyone that's part of it. Um, as I say, I've only been there for been at the footy club for 12 months, um, but the amount of work that people have put in in the background from you know, the original vote five years ago to come across to the competition. Um, the club you know, five years ago was playing C and D1 grade in uh, the VAFA and then to make the decision to come across and then once making the decision to come across to put the structures in place and have the people involved that are prepared to do the work to um, get the club into a position that you know, potentially could go to first division um, depending on Saturday's results. But if it you know, doesn't go our way on Saturday, the, you know, the structure and everything in place has been... Um, put in there so eventually the club would be looking to get there um, but it would just be if we could win on the weekend just great reward for those people that were involved five years ago in the decision to come across and then not only as I say not only vote to come across but put in the hard work to get the club into a position to compete really well in the Northern Footy League. Well, uh, Paul, we really appreciate your time. Obviously, it's a massive week for for your football club. Well done on, on progressing through to this week's grand final, and we wish you all the very best in uh, in the contest against Whittlesea this Saturday. Thanks, Sam.
Now joining us on the NFNL podcast is the coach of the Whittlesea Football Netball Club, Blair Harvey. He's signed through to the A-plus Labor Solutions Division 2 Grand Final where they'll take on Banyul this coming Saturday. Blair, congratulations on booking your spot in the Grand Final. You've had to go the longer route, but I'm sure it's very satisfying to get the club into the big game in, in your first season as, as coach of the club. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sam. Um, yeah, definitely uh, exciting. Um, we're a very young group. Um, we sort of set out to do that at the start of the year when, with our recruiting. Um, we didn't know if we obviously be there the last game of September, but uh, we're lucky enough that we're there, so we're excited. What have, what have you made of your first season at the club? You, you've obviously had coaching experience prior when you, you took over as caretaker coach at Heidelberg, but I guess it's your first full season uh, as a senior coach. But, but what have you made of, of not only the position, but I guess being in a new environment at the, the Whittlesea Footy Club? Yeah, obviously it's been new, um, a new environment, and it's been been enjoyable going somewhere. It's freshened up my, myself, um, and the playing group, as I said, we really set out on targeting some really good young talent. Um, we didn't know how quickly that young talent would come along, but it's satisfying to know that from where we started, well, 18 months, obviously, 12 months ago now, basically, when pre-season started in November, to sort of get an opportunity now to see those kids grow at such a quick rate is uh, really exciting for us as a football club. Have they exceeded your expectation? I know we've talked pre-season and, and you did say that you wanted to go down the path of, of bringing in the kids, which, which is exactly what you've done, but has it surprised you how quickly they actually have, have come on at senior level? Uh, yes and no, I'd say, because a lot of the kids that we did recruit had played a lot of junior finals and premierships, so we knew that we had, even though they were young, they'd had that finals experience, so a lot of them had worked hard and been good players in good sides so I thought that if we could just get that balance right of a new game plan a new style and obviously a big pre-season they worked really hard over the summer and leading up to the first practice match so we just thought that yeah we obviously we didn't know how we we're going to go but uh, I don't think we exceeded the expectation I think that we've worked hard and obviously deserve to be where we are. It's obviously been a fair turnaround since the start of the year at the the midway point. The I guess you were in the four, but uh, your, your spot in there was was hanging by the balance, and then you've gone on that long winning run into the finals. Obviously, it stopped in the uh, the close loss you had in the second semi. But you, you bounced back emphatically on the weekend. But what have you seen as the real turning point from I guess after maybe round eight or so to, to turning it around to now being in a grand final? Uh, I think early on we were as I said it was a new game style, new game plan for the boys. Um, it was a pretty fast brand of footy that we wanted to play. And at the start, it was more the execution. Um, our skill level wasn't at a level where it needed to be. So we just really knuckled down on that um, over a period. I suppose when we lost to Banyol, it would have been around seven, around seven or eight. They beat us by nearly eight goals. It was a real turning point. I think the boys thought that, you know, that we didn't want that to happen again um, against anyone. So... They just sort of really knuckled down and worked a lot harder at training and come to training with a purpose and obviously have got the reward by playing in a grand final this weekend. With your game so far against Banyul, really against everyone inside the top four, you've, you've been in, in really close contests right throughout. It's been a, a year where yourselves and Banyul finished first and second respectively, but I think uh, you look at sides third and fourth in, in Altham and Thomastown and there hasn't been a, a lot separating you all. So perhaps before looking ahead to, to the game against Banyul this week, the game against Altham uh, on uh, on Saturday just gone by, winning by 28 points, that must be really satisfying to, to get a win against a strong opposition and, and just give you, I guess, a bit more confidence now going into the side. Oh, definitely. We um, we sort of thought that 
throughout the year that Altham was most probably the best side in the competition. Um, I think that they had a real good balance with a lot of senior and younger players in their side with that senior experience too with some guys like Anton Woods, McCaffrey, Still, Curry, or both Curry, sorry. I thought that Altham was a really balanced side. Um, so, yeah, look, obviously we had some good competition. Thomastown, Altham, Banuel, um, and know that our young boys can stand up to that pressure now. It's, again, very exciting for us going into this week's game. Uh, I guess your, your opponent, you know, will obviously be Banyol. You've played them twice in, in recent uh, recent weeks and the points have been split uh, one win apiece, both of them by really small margins. What do you take out of those pr- past two performances against uh, your upcoming opponent this weekend? Uh, well, the game when we beat them out there, it was a real hard slog. The conditions were really poor um, and I don't think we could take that much out of it. Um, but la- even though we lost last week, again, oh, sorry, two weeks ago against Banyol, we took a lot out of it. We think that a few things that didn't go our way, but they had a little bit of luck. So when we sort of reviewed the game, we thought, you know what, we got done by seven points, but it was, I was really proud of the effort that the boys put in. And there's a few things that we have to fix up, knowing that we're, who we're playing again. Um, if we can get that right, well, I reckon we're in for a really big chance. Where do you see the game being decided on Saturday? I think the midfield. Um, obviously, they'll have Stan. They've got Blackmore, Moore, Kelly, um, Dyson will come into their side. So they've got a really strong, experienced midfield. Um, if they get the ball down to their tools, uh, obviously, that's their game style, that they'll uh, cut us up. But if, yeah, if we can win the midfield battle, it goes a long way on us getting the ball forward and trying to lock it in our forward half until we can score. And uh, I guess uh, your own side, you mentioned that the last time you, you played that it was obviously really tight, even though you went down. You're in front uh, at times during the last quarter. You've been involved in, in quite a bit of, uh, of in, extensively in, in, in these big games through your time at Heidelberg and North Heidelberg as well. But it seems there's been a, a recent trend where the side that then uh, has the week off, it's been somewhat of a, a curse to, to have that, that break in play. But I know you got overrun in, in the last encounter between the sides, but do you think maybe coming through the prelim final just has you that maybe little bit match hardened uh, preparing to go into the big dance? Oh, I think so. I think it does. It can obviously can work either way. If you've got a couple of little niggling injuries that week off, definitely helps. Um, but uh, the pleasing thing for us was in the last quarter, we were really able to run out the game. And so we think that we're going to hit this week's game full of momentum by obviously having a big last quarter last week against Elson. And uh, for yourself, I mean, you've been there so many times before. You have plenty of experience. Have you found those within the club that uh, you can now really uh, provide them with an insight into what it takes to, to be in, in the big game and, and what it does take to then go on and, and hold the cup up at, at day's end? I know that the club itself has played off in, in recent uh, grand finals and won premierships, but some of the lists that you've got there wouldn't have played on the big stage. How important is it for you to pass on that intel to, to make sure that they're just that little bit more ready when it comes to 10 past two on, on Saturday? I think I think it definitely helps, but the message has been to the boys is just to enjoy it, embrace it. Like they're lucky they're playing the last game of the year. A lot of teams finished two, three weeks ago, so really take everything on board. And obviously, family members, friends are going to ring them up and wish them all the best. But take it all in because it doesn't happen all the time for people. So enjoy the experience, get excited by it, um, don't get overawed. Really, just take it on board and embrace the moment. Um, if I think you can do that and stay as relaxed as possible. Um, it can go a long way to settling down, especially in the first quarter, um, and getting on the right foot early. And what does the week ahead look like for your side? We're having a chat uh, this Monday, but what, what's the week in store look like before getting to, to Preston on Saturday? 
Yeah, we'll have a, we're going to have a training session in the pool tonight. Uh, then tomorrow night we'll have a light session. And again, Tuesday night, oh sorry, Thursday night, we'll invite all the family of the uh, the players' families down and partners and everything like that, and just get a real good atmosphere at the footy club. And just obviously thank a lot of people that have sacrificed some things throughout the year um, to get us in the position where we are. Because yeah, the players that are out there playing, but there's a lot of things on behind the scenes that doesn't get. Oh, I suppose the appreciation is not there. So we want to try and get everyone as possible to the footy club on Thursday night and just really thank them for everything that they've done throughout the year to sacrifice us being able to do what we do on a Saturday. And in terms of the club itself, obviously a, a win on Saturday would, would push the club back up into the top flight. They've spent plenty of time up there in, in recent seasons, uh, have won the Premiership in their past three years in, in second division. So over the best part of the decade, they have played Division One football. But do you think uh, this group now going forward in the long run, you, do you think they can really hold their own if, if you are successful on Saturday and, and then keeping a spot in the top flight going forward? Yeah, well, I think we can. And then, obviously, that was the plan with the whole reasoning behind getting as many good young talent as we could. Um, I think in years gone by, some clubs, and Whittlesey may have been one, where they've been able to get some senior players into the side, but then when they get the first division, those senior guys most probably aren't capable. So we've just really focused now on getting young talent through and then just trying to build, I suppose, some great foundation from the start and just build from there. And obviously, yeah, we'd have to recruit. There's no doubt about it. But I don't think we'd have to recruit too much. We know exactly what we need, regardless whether we go to Division 1 or if we stay in Division 2. So we've got a plan in place that we think is going to structure up really well. But, yeah, if we're lucky enough to get there, great. If it's not this year, maybe the year after or the year after, that we get a chance to get back up to Division 1, that we've got something in place that we, we hope will work. Well, Blair, uh, we, again, we really appreciate your time in joining us. It's been a fantastic effort to, to get the club back into a grand final in your first season at the helm. So all the very best on Saturday. I'm sure all the neutrals are really looking forward to the game itself, given how close your games against Banyol have been throughout the course of the season. So best of luck on, on Saturday in, in the grand final and, and congratulations on, on reaching the last day of the 2019 season. Thanks, Samuel. Thanks for having me. And now a look back over the Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 Grand Final, which saw Panton Hill claim its first premiership since 2013 with a 40-point win over South Rang. 11-13, 79 to 5 goals, 9-39. Jared Gardner, it was on paper a game that most expected Panton Hill to win, particularly or even more so when uh, the final sides came in and Ty Hall and James Houston were both out of the South Morang side and you really uh, had worries as to how they would contain this uh, this Panton Hill lineup that had been so dominant throughout the, the course of the 2019 season. The Redbacks kicked the opening six goals and at 38 points ahead at, uh, at quarter time, you thought, oh God, how, how, how big is this final margin going to be? But to South Morang's credit, really fought back hard Got within 14 points during the last, uh, sorry, during the third quarter, and, and made a real game of it. And, and even though Patton Hill was able to respond late in the third term and take a, a sizable advantage into the last 35 points, you, you never really felt they had the game sealed until about time on into the last quarter. Yeah, exactly. It was a uh, a great performance from Patton Hill, but as you said, once um, they they were up by 38 points, we kind of thought they had two hands on the cup and they were holding up already. But set to Southern Range credit came back and. Uh, played uh, played a great second and third quarters just to get within, um, as you said, 14 points early in that third quarter. So it, it, they they just never said die. They they kept going even when 
there's like 25 minutes gone in the last quarter and um, there's there's guys just still, I think it was Mitch Dixon still throwing his body around, look, going into packs, smothering the ball. It's just, um, there's a lot to take out of that match from South Morang because they took it up to a side that has been so dominant all year. Yeah, I think South Morang can certainly hold the head high, as we said. Didn't have uh, much luck and you feel for Ty Hall that uh, missed out with a knee injury. Yeah. Two years ago, played the grand final when he was uh, clearly, uh, had been unwell uh, leading in as well. Missed the prelim that year so it's, it's a real shame that one of their, their best players over the last three or four years has both missed the grand final this year and last time been pretty limited as well. So really unfortunate, but I think they can hold their head high to, to come from, um, you know, well, they were fourth on the ladder and really at, at times throughout the year looked to be struggling early and to, to go all the way up and, and reach a, another grand finals at a mighty effort. But at the end of the day, it was all about Panton Hill on Saturday, wasn't it? And, and take home the premiership. Daniel Freeman, an outstanding campaign and uh, finishes with the best on ground medallion. There was a few others that were probably in, in contention alongside him as well. I thought uh, the big man, Joel McClellan, was great. Also down back, Brent Ryan and, and Nathan Hendry found plenty of the footy as well. But Freeman, with those early goals and uh, having some, some really important touches around the ground as well, set the tone and helped his side open up that, that big buffer early and, and uh, was still instrumental late in the game when uh, when they were still holding on and, and having to keep out that South Rank challenge. Yeah, exactly. Tim Duckworth's another one that I, that I would pick and, and put right in there within that conversation because I thought his drive off half-back was, was so good for Panton Hill. But Freeman, uh, very deserving. He's had uh, such a great season and to cap it off with, uh, first of all, a premiership but then best on ground is uh, such a, a great achievement and, and he'll take a lot of confidence going into 2020 up in Division 2. Well, he certainly worked uh, hard. We've, we've talked to Steve Lade a few times throughout the course of the year and he just said he's one of the hardest working players on the track. So uh, deserving of that. It's a, it was a good, good effort for Panton Hill. They've kicked 11 goals throughout the day. Um, Reese Boyd and, and Matt Byron have kicked over 100 goals between them throughout the year. Boyden uh, finishing the year as the leading goal kicker and including finals, you know, top, tops 80 goals for the year. Uh, he kicked the first goal of the game and then was, was pretty well contained by Matt Robinson thereafter and Matt Byron, we were saying throughout the call, it was one of the better zero-goal games we'd seen until he kicked the last goal of the game. So they bookended the game with the first and last goals. But to say that they were kept to two goals and that they've still kicked a reasonable winning winning margin as well just goes to show that they're not, uh, I guess, a two-trick pony up up in the forward line. And um, as I said, Freeman kicked three, but Alex Sadakis as well. Four goals last year in the grand final, three this year as well, and, and looks the man for, for the big occasion. So they'd be pretty proud of the way that their other forwards were able to impact the contest with their two twin towers pretty well contained yeah exactly you look at those twin towers and that's the focal point for that Panton Hill forward line but you look at Sadakis look at Freeman when he goes down there's able to kick goals um, players like Sam Parks and uh, Cam Jordan uh, can, can hit the scoreboard and have done really well this season so uh, it's, it's it's it was always a tough matchup for South Morang I thought Robinson was very good on Boyd and um, after letting him kick the first goal was unfortunate because Boyden took that mark right on the boundary line and was able to snap that goal so wasn't anything that Robinson had done that allowed him to kick that, but um, from there on, it, I think he played great on on um, on the former Greensboro player, and uh, I think yeah, great performance, but just unfortunate that they had so many options towards goal. Yeah, well, I think that in the end, though, the deserving side goes on and, and wins the flag, and they're going to be uh, obviously a big challenge going up. They know what it takes uh, or what, what's expected going up. They've played obviously uh, three years in uh, in second division, uh, following their 2013 uh, premiership win as well. So uh, obviously a, a big challenge now awaits. But you look at, again at that list, and there's players who have played you know up in the top flight as well, and I think they'll be well equipped to playing in, in second division. So it's been a two-year plan for them, which uh, Steve late alluded to leading into the last week's 
game and uh, and and we'll have a chat to him in a few moments time as well but uh, a two-year plan last year they maybe internally exceeded expectation played off in the grand final and finished within 13 points of a dominant St Mary's side but uh, this year they've uh, consolidated further brought a few key players back into the side obviously Joel McClellan's been a great in but to get Cam Jordan and Nathan Hendry back into the lineup as well has been really important and all those three had a, a major say in, in the reason why their side went from second last year to first this year so it was a great season for Panton Hill they take home the 2019 Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 Premiership Cup and we've caught up with their coach Steve Late following Saturday's Premiership win over South Morang. Our next guest on the NFNL podcast is the coach of the Panton Hill Football Club Steve Late his side at the weekend crowned the 2019 Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3 Premiers with a 40-point grand final win over South Morang. Steve, congratulations on the success at the weekend and, and right throughout the 2019 season. Um, I guess uh, from, from your point of view, what did Saturday mean to the football club? Uh, it was, as I said earlier uh, last week to you, Sammy, uh, and thanks for having me on again. Um, just it means everything. It meant absolutely everything. There was no second prizes with this, this scenario. We just had to get the win, and we did. And just to see the smiles on the faces of, you know, the loyal supporters and the hard-working committee, and, you know, they, they've got some payback, and that was important. It was also, obviously, for the players and, and their partners, etc. So the whole family, the whole Pantanil family uh, partied pretty hard afterwards, let me tell you. I could uh, I could just imagine it was a game where your side went in as as the favourite. You're coming up against the South Morang side, which hadn't uh, hadn't even booked its finals place going into the last round of the year, but uh, but certainly had a great month leading in and and, and deservedly reached the grand final. But uh, you were coming in with the the, the I guess the um, the pressure of being the favourite, but that far start six goals unanswered in the first quarter. I'm sure that not only settled some some nerves, but certainly steered you on the on the way to victory. Absolutely, and uh, that was our focus. Um, we knew South Morang were a danger side. You know, they were up and about. The confidence was strong. We had to be extremely careful from that point of view. Um, and I think, I think the fact that with our experienced players and the composure they showed sort of got us through nicely, and we we started well. And I, I think looking back on it, it's easy when you look back on the game. Um, we pretty much set it up in that first quarter, um, and the composure by the boys in front of goal was great. Um, we couldn't have asked for a better start. And it sort of set the tone for a, a pretty good day for us. As, as good as the start was, 38 points in front at quarter time, South Morang certainly responded and, and it closed within 14 points probably about midway or early through the third term. It, it, it was some real character shown by your side to not only uh, halt their momentum but to, to wrestle it right back and then have the game again safely in your keeping by three-quarter time. Yeah, well, that's what I, I think I mentioned last week. It's we just had to be, we had to be really good and really strong and composed when teams come at you. And I think that's where the difference has been this year. We've had scenarios where, uh, especially in the last half of the year, uh, last ten or twelve games, sides have come at us during the match, during during the game. Obviously, Lyman did it to us a few weeks ago over at their ground, and we composed ourselves. Our leaders stood up, made all the right decisions, and, and won the key moments. And, I've, I've always had that confidence as this group. That's what we're capable of, and good sides can do that. And that's exactly what happened Saturday. I mean, South Morang were always going to come at us again, and you know, none better than Luke Shelton. I mean, Shelton's just such a great leader. I mean, he was trying to show the way, and then um, you know, and he got through some quality players off half back, Mitch Kalpakis. Cal- I mean, he's just he's just a super player, and we put a lot of time and effort into him. 
and uh, he got off the leash a couple of times and you know uh, you know you can't allow that to happen for too long and thankfully our leaders stood up with that as a as a whole, you, I know when you you came into to the club, you you made it clear that uh, it wasn't going to be a, a quick rise back to to uh, second division last year. You you still reached the grand final, which you probably thought had uh, exceeded expectation, but you did have a two year plan that uh, that you implemented, and to now have that uh, have that reach, I guess, and, and succeed in what you were hoping to do. How satisfying for that is is, is that for you as a coach and, and as a coaching group as well? Well, that's exactly right, and we were extremely focused on that goal um, because you know my goal was obviously to, to, to win it this year, and but win it with some momentum, um, not just in terms of the way we've gone about the year. Uh, when you hit Division Two, you don't want to just fall over the line and get into Division Two. You need to show some dominance um, and also momentum in terms of recruiting and player 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 lists. I mean, it's so important. I think we're in a pretty good position going into Divi 2 uh, with some opportunities to recruit a few more players to add to the group. Uh, I think uh, this this group are going to be together for a little bit longer yet and um, they can make some inroads in Division 2 for sure. Daniel Freeman's one uh, I'm interested in getting your take on. I know we spoke at the start of the year and you, you said that he was one through pre-season who'd really impressed you and, and one that you thought would uh, would come on leaps and bounds this year. Uh, he was best on ground on Saturday, deserving winner of the best on ground medallion. Not that we want to individualise, but just your thoughts on, on the season that, that Daniel's had. Well, I'm a massive rapper, as you know. Um, uh, he's... I love players to put in the effort off the track um, as well as on the track. I mean, his his devotion to his fitness and his just just to become a better player as best as he can possibly be has been unbelievable. I mean, I think I mentioned to you uh, he he's definitely the first there every night at training and he's the last off, last off the track. He's and he's just not there just to sort of take it all in. He's he's there to work and work really hard and. Uh, I was so wrapped for him on Saturday. I mean, he's a, he's an elite player now. He's in that elite group, and uh, that's only through pure hard work and also some uh, a lot of help from Scott Condy and Matt Fowler as well to help him along. So he's gone from being a uh, a, a wingman, if you like, an outside player wingman, to uh, an inside uh, strong, tough, hard, hard running midfielder, which you need to be. If you're going to make it in Division Two, and he's he's up to that standard, no doubt at all. He's just a, a really good prospect uh, moving forward. Have you had a chance to just uh, maybe just sit by yourself and just uh, I guess really think back at uh, what it now means to you to be a, a, prem- a premiership coach of a, of a senior football club, and and you've obviously had a long involvement with Panton Hill coaching the reserves, and now stepping up as as a senior coach. But have you had a chance to just reflect back on on what this uh, on winning this premiership might mean to you? Yeah, it's meant a lot. Obviously, it's meant a lot to my wife. Um, you know, it's been a lot to a lot of people and close friends around me. Uh, for me personally, it's um, it's just a, just a nice feeling, mate, to know that um, I was able to do it at a senior level. Um, I've had friendships as a reserves coach, and I've been involved as assistant coaches, and you know, a couple of other clubs, Marshall and Heidelberg, and um, plenty, obviously, all great clubs and all different clubs in many ways. But and all that leads to. Saturday and that was just uh, icing on the cake for me because that's just a dream come true to be honest with you. At uh, at what stage of the game could you just soak it up and had you realised that that you'd 
reach what you were it was setting out to do and, and we're going to claim the premiership was there a particular moment in the game where you, where you realized that uh, that you had it won well I, I reckon for me personally it was it was probably when um, I think uh, Nathan Bell might have kicked the. He's a good young player too for South America. Uh, he kicked the, the first one in the third, I think, or mm-hmm. yeah, the third. And then Tarko responded with Alex Sadaka's kick, two quick ones, um, which he promised me he would. Uh, I think that when we responded at that point, I thought deep down, I thought uh, it's going to be pretty hard to beat this mum today. It's going to be hard to get beat. He, uh, he knows how to kick a finals goal, Sadaka's four last year, three this year. He's kicked a couple of special ones on the big stage as well. He's been a, a great addition for the club. Yeah, don't worry, he'll, he'll remind you of that every time you meet him. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, that, that was his goal, his first premiership. Um, so, you know, he was probably the most emotional out of all the players after the game. Um, and he's just a ripper. He just uh, he texted me on the morning, yesterday morning, and said, uh, I'm, walking off, I'm walking off this ground as a premiership player today, ladies. So he was focused, he just wanted it bad, and he got it. And uh, he's just... I don't know, he seems to find it when it matters. He's a, he's a big occasion player, as you know. And uh, so, how, how quickly there's a tension turn for the whole club as to what goes uh, forward from here. Obviously, a big jump up into to second division. How long do you get to savour the win before the hard work all begins once again? Well, it's probably, uh, we'll be straight into it because uh, we know that we've, uh, we've got some work to do. We've got some plans that we've, we're discussing at the minute. Uh, we've got some great ideas. Um, you know, we want to look towards getting an under-19 side now. Uh, we think we're in that in a strong position to attract um, some good under-19 kids and, and and other players that might want to come along for the ride in Division Two. Because um, I think uh, this group is and this club is a very attractive club uh, moving forward. Uh, great culture, fantastically run club, um, and uh, I think we've got a bit to offer, mate. So. That's, that'll be part of what I'll be doing is helping helping us get to where we need to at the next phase and set set the new goals in place. And uh, as we talk about, focus on the process and not worry about the end result. We'll be right. Well, Steve, congratulations once again. We do appreciate your time in joining us, but uh, a very deserved premiership win on Saturday. Uh, the club winning its second flag in the space of, of six years and returning back to second division. So well done uh, as a whole for a club and also on a personal note to yourself as well to uh, to lead the club to that title. No, I appreciate it, Sonny, and as I said on Saturday, I appreciate the support you guys have given us and the NFNL and the way they run it. It's just fantastic for us as, uh, you know, amateur clubs to be able to get the support from you guys. It's awesome. So thanks very much again. Uh, it's our great pleasure. Thanks again for joining us, uh, Steve Lake from the Panton Hill Football Club. Located in central Greensboro, Watermark provides 1,000 square metres of premium gym space with new equipment, functional training zone, group fitness program and a supportive team to lead you towards your health and wellbeing goals. Watermark offers modern aquatic facilities for lap swimming or relaxing in the sauna, steam room or spa. Learn to swim in Watermark's award-winning Go Swim program, offering swim lessons from six months of age and up. Have a great day out with the family on the large rough water slides, splash park and pools. All this with convenient access to Watermark's free multi-level car park. Google Watermark Greensboro to find out more. Joining us on the NFNL podcast is Brooke George, the coach of Diamond Creek's Section 1 netball team at the weekend, recorded an historic premiership win, 10 in a row. Brooke, unbelievable. Uh, can you can you gather or, or just uh, put into words what it's, what it's been like to be part of this side to win 10 consecutive Section 1 premiership titles? Yeah, I'm um, absolutely thrilled to be part of it. And um, 
we were, yeah, it's probably been a little bit of pressure on us this year because we knew we had that 10th one coming. So it was really exciting to come away with the win in the end, definitely. It's amazing, isn't it? You've won nine in a row going into the year and there's that, there's that added pressure. For some reason, 10 just seems that, that more magical number. But the side, side got Absolutely. through it all. I know on grand final night, there was a, it was a tight challenge early in the game, but uh, you rose yeah. to the occasion. But, but what is it about that, that 10 that makes it so special? Yeah, definitely. Um, look, a lot of the players have been in, um, with us for a long time and we, we're a bunch of experienced girls. So I think that sort of did play into it a little bit this um, year because um, we were playing against Ivanhoe, Ivanhoe, who were quite a young group of players. So probably, um, yeah, just being in that situation before um, and, and knowing what to expect and how to prepare, I think that really helps the girls get the win in the end. The, the clubs won eleven of of the twelve section one titles, but but mm-hmm. is there one over any other that that feels more special along the way? Um, look, the first couple were really exciting, definitely. Um, the the very first premiership when the NFL started, that was you know we didn't know what to expect. We came in, um, and and it was always thrilling to be part of any win, so that was great. Um, and then I suppose there's been some really tight games and there's been other years where we have had a bit more comfortable wins, but the start of every grand final is the same. You're on 0-0, zero, zero, so you're just not exactly sure what anything could happen. So any win is very special. What makes everyone at Diamond Creek, uh, I guess, tick and, and be able to record such a such an historic feat to, to year after year keep bouncing back and, and being the dominant side? But what, what is it about the club that makes it so special? I think it was organised um, by Christy Gannon and Carolyn Hansen at the start when we first got involved. And we were really keen. We had a, a big bunch of girls that had played junior netball together and we all came together as open age players. Um, and it was something we all wanted to be a part of. So, as I said, a lot of the girls have been around either from season one or even season three and four. And while some have gone away to have children or been away overseas and missed a year, they've ended up coming back. And those bonds that you have, like knowing these girls um, since we've been quite young, 10, 11, 12, and we're now in our 30s, um, I suppose that's, yeah, why we all play for each other. You played Ivanhoe on the weekend in the grand final, a very young side. Does coming up yeah. against one of the, a challenger like that just give you that little bit more motivation when you know that you're coming up against a side that's going, going to contend long into the future as well? 100%. And we weren't really sure what to expect because Fitzroy Stars had been another dominant team throughout the season. So I'd sort of been expecting to play them in the grand final and thinking about our semi-final, how that had gone. Um, so when Ivanhoe got over them in the prelim we had to sort of change our tactics and and just make sure we were going to cover their speed and they're very energetic and contest a lot of balls so we had to make sure that we weren't going to stop we weren't going to slow down we had to yeah really drive hard for every single pass and i guess uh, the the win itself as we say 10 an historic number but uh, i'd imagine it's a it's a special achievement for for everyone involved did you get a chance to just uh, just uh, sit back for a moment and just reflect on on the incredible achievement that you've been able to produce yeah, look, we did. We all went back. Um, we actually played quite late Friday night, so we didn't party for God or do anything like that. But we all went back to the club rooms on Saturday. The club opened up for us and um, it was a bit special with our Premiership Cups. We actually took a fantastic photo of all the um, flags that we'd won all together. And, um, yeah, we all sat down and just had a really good afternoon on the Saturday. 
Um, and then obviously presentation night coming up soon, so we're looking forward to that as well. And how quickly does attention turn to trying to make it 11 in a row next year? I know. Well, we will. We do like that um, the sort of season finishes gives everyone a break to freshen up again. But you are always thinking about things in the back of your mind and just making sure you can retain your players and, you know, fill spaces. This year we had a couple of girls not play from the previous year. And so that was great for some young girls to get opportunities, some 17-year-olds. I think we had three 17-year-olds in our team. Um, so while we've still got the experience, we are blooding that youth through and always looking forward. Well, uh, it's an incredible achievement. I don't know if there's a, a team in, in local sport that could you know, boast such a such a long and, and, and proud record as, as your club does. So congratulations on the win and really for, for all your dominance over the best part of, of 12 years as well. It, it is truly remarkable and uh, I think something down the track that everyone would look back on as, uh, as just uh, really in, in awe of what you've been able to achieve. So congratulations on that and, uh, and certainly enjoy uh, number 10 in a row. Thank you very much, Sam. We will do.